Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate that good song. Amen. I'm thankful that even though we're in a race, the Lord allows us times when we can rest beside the weary road. There's, I know that many are busy. I know many have their daytimers full, their calendar apps full. But I'm thankful that God in His wisdom has set aside these Sundays for us to rest beside the weary road and to reflect and to listen, to re-energize. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We have been... Looking at Christmas, trying to get into the sandals of some of these characters and see how they celebrated that first Christmas. First, we looked at Mary and all that she went through, and, and I don't think any of us really can know what it what is like for her. And then we looked at Joseph, who's often a fifth wheel, often overlooked, and yet the critical role he played in protecting our Lord and providing for him. And and this morning, as we look into the scripture, I want to look at the lowest of the low. People that were overlooked, people who were not welcome. Yet, they received a holy invitation for that first Christmas. I invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse 8. One of these, the things that I love about Luke chapter 2 and is that a lot of you have it memorized. And so I'm going to do something just a little different this morning because your pastor hates ruts. I'd like you to read it with me or quote it with me. And uh, just because I, these, these verses are, these are sacred verses. All of them are sacred, but, but these are special. We've taken the time, to many, uh, many of us, to memorize them. And so I'd like you to say it with me. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude, the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, 
The shepherd said one unto another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and to see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and seen as it was told unto them. Let's conclude our reading there. Father, I thank you for this time of year. And I thank you for these precious, precious words from, you, from the Bible. And we ask this morning that you'd help us to rightly divide the word of truth, that you'd help us to somehow see through the eyes of these shepherds. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. What time is it? When you ask that question, we answer it in different ways, don't we? Some may say it's 1130. Some may say, it's time to go. No, it's not. <laughs> some might say, well, it's Christmas time. And some of you, as we think about the Christmas time, may say, well, it's a time for baking. And it certainly is. And it's a time for sampling those baked goods. Make sure they're fit for Christmas. And uh, some would say it's a time for feasting, and a time for cooking, and a time for uh, shopping, and a time for wrapping, and a time for singing, and a time for uh, sharing, and it's a time for giving, and it's a time for uh, volunteering, and it's a time for pageants, and programs, and nat living nativities, and whew, are you exhausted yet? <laughs> There's always so much to do at this time of year. It, it's, it's like, you know, we, you know, we've had 11 months of the year, and uh, this, it's, you know, we weren't busy enough. We've got to make up for it all, all at once. As I think about it being Christmas time and, and, and what, all the things that we have responsibility for, I think about these shepherds and what a time it was for them. We don't know how many they were. We don't, know, we don't know really much about them. We know their occupation, and we know that they were working on this night. We don't know what time of year that our Lord was born. Probably was born in the springtime, probably not around uh, December. Uh, this is the time we celebrate. We don't really know. Um, some scholars believe this is about the time of year that the wise men showed up. So, um, for whatever that's worth, but it's probably springtime. Shepherds are probably not sleeping out under the stars in the midst of 20-degree weather. And so, um, here they are. They're hanging out, expecting a night like any other. But what was it like for them? that first Christmas? What did they experience? And Luke gives us just a, a glimpse, just a, a little piece of, 
of what it was like for them that day. And the first thing that I noticed is that it was a time of terror. They were sore afraid. Now, you and I have, at least none of you have told me, and so I'm assuming that this is true, but none of us here have had an angel come and visit us. Is there anybody who would like to make a confession out that they've had an angelic vision? Or nobody. All right. An angel shows up. I don't know how an angel shows up. I mean, did he just, did they just walk? Well, you know, he just walk in and just say, you know, hey guys. These men are already on high alert. It's nighttime. They're uh, keeping their watches. When they're, they're, you know, they've, they've sleep so, uh, certain watches and others are awake. And, and they're on guard for thieves. They're on guard for wolves. They're on guard for, for any kind of, of catastrophe, anything that would set the sheep in, uh, on edge. And here comes, out of nowhere, an angel. And I don't know how he showed up. I don't know if he just wasn't there and was. The scripture doesn't tell us really, but suddenly, and they were sore afraid. And you know, I think that we've kind of gotten away from an understanding of what it means to have an angel show up. Our pictures show these very feminine Creatures who are mother-like as they guide children along creeks. But when we find in Scripture is not a, a feminine, uh, gentle creature, but we find a warrior. This is, this is not an individual to be trifled with. When angels show up, People are afraid. They always are. It is their natural response is to feel terror when an angel shows up. Our King James, I, I, sometimes I'd like, uh, I, I like the more modern translations. They say things in ways that you go, aha. How often do we in the, in the Psalms find that it says he's the Lord of hosts? Well, what does that mean? I love the modern translations. He's the God of angel armies. Angel armies. This is, these are not, this is, this is not your, your choir in church. These, this is the marine choir. This is the Navy SEAL choir. I'm not trying to belittle uh, women and, 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 or that this morning. I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to help us to understand is that these are not people you go, oh, an angel, that's so exciting. In our pop culture, we've kind of made angels as these, as, as these oh, I, I just love to see an angel. That is not the response of people in the Bible. When they see an angel, they're saying, Ah! <laughs> They're sore afraid. I wonder, you know, the mind goes quickly, doesn't it? 
You can think thoughts incredibly rapidly in, in, in just a fraction of a second. You can have 20 thoughts, especially when you're terrified. When you're on edge, it's amazing how many nightmare scenarios run through your mind in a blink of a moment. I don't know how fast the speed of thought is. I don't know if anyone's ever measured it, but I think it's faster than the speed of light. I wonder if they had the thought of, are these the angels from Genesis that visited Sodom and Gomorrah and brought down judgment? I wonder if these are the angels that, that showed up on, uh, in Exodus uh, in Egypt and this is the, the death angel that's come to destroy us and we're going to die. Are, are these the angels that have come to, to, to bring us a, a message of God's wrath? Like in Ezekiel. Boy. You start going through the scriptures and the angels, when they show up, it isn't always a positive time. It's not exciting to see an angel always. Is this one looking for a fight like, like the one that wrestled with Jacob? And what did we do to deserve an angel to come to us? We must have been something pretty bad. Because these are shepherds, there's no good reason for an angel to visit a shepherd. There's no good reason. It has to be a bad one. You and I know the story. We've got, when we get our mind into the shepherds in that moment, we have to recognize that they are terrified. And we kind of just go over it. They were so afraid. Oh, they were scaredy cats, you know. These are not scaredy cats. These are people who fight wolves. I mean, this is of the, of, of the same occupation as King David, who wrestles with lions and bears with his bare hands. Now, I don't know if these guys did that, but with that kind of uh, heritage, I'm not messing with the shepherd. These are not scaredy cats. These are, are, are people who are not afraid of the dark. They work in the dark. And yet they felt terror. And I think this morning, I wonder what we are afraid of. I wonder what we're afraid of. Are we afraid of judgment? Maybe there's some here that are just wondering if God is out to get them. If God's out to, to judge them for the choices that they've made. And maybe you're not saved this morning and you, and you don't, you know, as you think about Christmas and, and you think about judgment, you're afraid. And some of that's good. I think we should be concerned about judgment if we've done wrong and, we're not for, and we haven't been forgiven. And I think of others that, of you that are saved this, this morning, but you're not sanctified yet, and you wonder, you know that scripture says, without holiness no man shall see the Lord. And I wonder if, I have, if I'm in need of judgment. I wonder if I'm ready. And I think there's some here that 
you're afraid of judgment just because that's just the way you were raised. You never knew when, when the hammer was going to fall. You never knew when you were going to get in trouble. There's, I mean, you could, you'd be called in and, and called out, and I, your parents, would, uh, you, would, you knew you were in trouble. You could tell by the voice, but you had no idea what you'd done. And you wonder if God's like that, calling you out. And you don't, you're trying, and you're afraid, you're so afraid that you're going to step over the line and not realize it. I want you to know this morning that our God is worthy of our fear. And the fear of the Lord is something that's important for us, for having a, a holy respect. But God came to earth to show us that he was a God who wants to relate to us and we don't have to be terrified of him. He wants a relationship with us. And we're not going to accidentally step over the line. God has drawn his lines clearly. And if we're going to be outside of those, we're going to step on that uh, and cross those lines purposely. And if we cross it accidentally, he is faithful to bring us back. Thank the Lord for the checks of the Spirit. And I, I'm afraid people throw away their salvation when they get a check of the Holy Spirit. Folks, we don't need to throw away anything. We just need to say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. Thank you for showing me. You know, sometimes the, sometimes the kids, they come home and they've got new behaviors or new words that we don't approve of. You know, schools, even Christian schools, they've got some kids there that say words that we don't say. You know, not every family's bad words are the same. It's just the way it is. There are words that we don't say in the Morford house that other people, it, it, saved and sanctified people, say. And so, we have words that are said in the Morford house that don't belong in the Morford house. Now, does that mean that I bring down the hammer? Absolutely not. Does that mean I start yelling? We don't say words like that around here. No. It means we, we have a conversation. I understand your friends can say that at school. And I understand that other people say it in the church. But Morfords don't say that word. Why, Dad? Well, we don't believe it honors God. We just, we just have... That's a, I have those words we just don't say. Now, folks, there's some words that we probably say that you don't think we ought to say. This isn't about judging other people. This is about having a standard for the home. But we don't bring punishment because a child doesn't know that we don't say those words. We bring education. We bring light. Now, if you continue to say those words after you've been told, then it's different. Folks, that's how God operates. That's how God operates. We don't know. There's so much that we don't know. I think about the growth that, that God has, has allowed me. You know, there's things that I did when I first got saved. I look back and say, wow. <laughs> I was doing those things and, say, and still saved. 
But God, if for time has shown me, you know, that's not best for you. Here's a better way. I know. I know. We, we wish people would get all the light all at once. But you know what? That's not a nice way to wake up, is it? It's not nice when you're sleeping and someone comes in and they shine a light right in your eyes. Turn a light, switch on, take a flashlight, shine it in your eyes. That's not how you want to wake up. You like to get acclimated a little bit. when you first, Now, if you're one of those people that just you wake up and you're, you're a wide awake and you're ready to go, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> I mean, some of us, we, we've got to, the, the morning is, is, we're like an old car. If you, if you start right up, Lord bless you. But you don't get all your light. You don't, I mean, you don't turn on the lights and throw open the, the shades and say, it's a glorious morning. That's a good way to have something thrown at you, by the way. <laughs> Thank the Lord that when we first get saved and we're aroused out of our, our stupor, our sin-filled stupor, that the Lord doesn't throw open the, the, the shades and turn on the light and blind us. Many of us would be doing exactly what we do. We'd, cr- we'd go right back under the covers. We'd be terrified to try to walk in all that light all at once. We couldn't do it. And God, in His mercy, begins to show us light little by little as we get acclimated, as we walk in the light. Then He shows us a little more, and then a little more, and a little more. If He showed us all the light at once, we would die physically. No man has seen God and lived that's full light. Even now we see through a dark dim uh, see through a glass dimly. God has got to shade us from all of the light. We cannot survive it physically. And we certainly can't survive it spiritually. And God in his great wisdom will give us light little by little and he corrects us and he shows us the way as a loving parent does. Some of us might be not terrified of judgment, but maybe some of us are terrified of circumstances in our world. Immigrant caravans and nuclear weapons. and I mean, it just seems like we're all the time afraid of something. Uh, China's developing this weapon, and Russia's developing that weapon, and, and we're, oh, I mean, all the time it seems like we're just terrified of everything. And there's reason to be, I guess. Especially when you don't trust God to do all things well. The angel said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And all the things that you're worried about, whether you have enough money to get enough presents or you're worried about what kind of world is going to be left for your kids to grow up and whether you're raising your kids right or are all these things that we have to be terrified and some of them legitimate. I want you to know the message of Christmas is you don't have to be afraid. Because God has sent a son to come and give us peace. 
you don't have to be afraid. Yeah, I know the world's a mess. And yeah, I know it seems like the light of the world is getting dimmer and dimmer. But folks, the light of the world is Jesus. And the, all the darkness in the world has never once been powerful enough to snuff out a single candle. Never has darkness been powerful enough to snuff out a candle. And in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our disappointments and our discouragements and all these things that, that come upon us and all the things on the news and all the things that the devil would put in our minds and keep us awake at night, I want you to know that Jesus came so that we might have peace in the midst of all these things that we're terrified of. After their terror, I noticed that it was a time for the shepherds to experience trust. So, angels have left. And you know what they said, Brother Gary? They said, we ought to check this out to see if this is true. No, that's not what he said. They said, let's go see this thing that we've been told. Not if this is true. They believed it because they had received the message. They believed it and acted on it. They did not have to see it to believe it. They, they went and followed after it because they had heard. Because they had heard the message, they decided that they were going to act on the truth that they had heard with, before they ever saw it. This is important. This is important. Oftentimes, we get stuck in, the, especially in this day and age, we live in a time of physicality. Can we... Apply the scientific method to it. There's a guy out there, and, and he's done a lot of good. I'm not saying he hasn't. He has offered, I believe it's a million dollars to anybody who can prove the supernatural. And he has this go on on national television anytime someone will prove. And so a guy says, I can read people's minds. And so he'll have he'll and he'll set up these experiments and he'll he, and he'll say well the the if you're just guessing it's this percentage and and I mean and then he'll have, he says I can see auras of people well he'll set up have people stand behind a a, a sheet or something where and not know what they were and and he's done a lot of good things but I'll tell you something you can't put God to the test that way. God won't fit into your scientific method. And I'm glad he's disproven some of these charlatans and these psychics and these, these, these practicers of, of foolery and the dark arts. But God himself won't be put to the test that way. God doesn't, God doesn't say, you know what, why don't you follow me just in case I might be right. <laughs> That's not a way of faith. You know, I'm following Christianity just because, you know, I want to make it to heaven if there's such thing as heaven. You won't stay on this path very long. When you hear the message and you believe, you pursue with all your heart until you find the Savior. Not if there's a Savior, but when you meet him face to face. And you will meet him. 
You will find him in, sometimes in the shadows. You will find him sometimes at an altar. Sometimes you'll find him beside your bed or in the car or wherever it may be. But you will, if you seek him after hearing the message, you will find him. Because that's the promise he's made. You seek me, I will be found. These shepherds said, let us go and see this thing that we've been told. You know, it doesn't make sense. They could have said this does not make any sense. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, God, is going to be found in a stable, in a manger, in rags. Does that make any sense? Go find God in a stable and laying in a manger, a feed trough, wrapped in rags. That's not how the Son of God should come. We should be going to Jerusalem and the palace and clothed in purple. He shouldn't be found in a feed trough. He should be found in in the most luxurious crib made by man. None of this makes sense, but they don't talk about it not making sense. They just accept it because it's what God said. Because the angels were the messengers of God, and so they they took it as from God's voice himself. And they just believed it in spite of that it didn't make any sense. You don't find God. You don't find God in, in stables. And rags? No bed for him? This doesn't make sense. And Bethlehem? Bethlehem of all places? I mean, that's like happening in Altamont. I am being careful, but when's the last president to come out of Altamont? I mean, there's no precedence coming out of Altima anytime soon that I, that I have any confidence in. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest, folks. Bethlehem was a town probably just a little bit smaller in size than Altima. It's a hovel. It's no, it's no big thing. I mean, if you're going to have... If you're going to pick the place for God to be born, are you picking Altamont? We are. It's convenient for us. But that's not where we're picking. We'd pick D.C., the capital. We'd pick, you know, Chicago or New York City. I mean, someplace where, where we could have a real welcoming committee. I mean... If the Kansas City Chiefs ever win the Super Bowl, they're not having their parade in Altamont. I'm sorry, you Chief fans. But God doesn't work like we do. And folks, we need to be able to trust when, we, when God doesn't make sense to us. And sometimes, a lot of times, God's not going to make sense to you or to me. His ways are higher than mine. We like to put God in our little boxes. And we like to make God fit into our our plans. 
And oftentimes we want God to work out our plans instead of for him to work out his plans and include us in them. But the shepherds, the shepherds didn't wait around about their own plans. You know, they were supposed to take care of their sheep. Do you think any of those shepherds stayed behind to take care of those sheep? I'm not staying. If an angel is bringing me a personal invitation to the, to the birth of Christ, to, to see this newborn king, I'm not staying behind. I don't care what you're paying me. I don't know if they brought their sheep with them. I don't know if, I don't know what they did. But they did not have a God who worked with their plans. They had a God who had worked out his plan and he invited them to come join his plan. And oftentimes we get it mixed up. God, come bless my plans. Bless my, bless my uh, uh, you know, I have this, this desire, I'm gonna, I want to do this, and so, Lord, come bless what I'm doing. How backwards? How backwards? That's not trust. Trust is saying, Lord, this isn't my plan, this isn't what I wanted, but you know best. This isn't how I thought my night would go. I thought we'd be hanging out with sheep. But we've got a we've got a trip to make, two to three miles into town. See a a baby wrapped in rags. Oh, bless God that when we get our get our plans and set them aside and get on track with what God's plans are. That first Christmas for the shepherds was a time of terror. It was a time of trust. But finally, it was a time of testimony. They went and they saw the babe. And they found that their faith was rewarded. And faith usually is. I'd like to say always rewarded, but if I say that, some of you will predetermine what the rewards have to be. And that will mess things all up. Because you are always rewarded, but just not in the way that you expect. But their faith is rewarded. And they can't keep it to themselves. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. When your faith is rewarded, can you keep it to yourself? Do you keep it to yourself? We often do. We get saved and... And do we tell all of our family and our co-workers, do we call them all up? Praise the Lord, I'm saved. Do we, uh, you know, you get sanctified? Did you, did you uh, get out the bullhorn and, and march down the street? Probably not. But did you let everybody know that you knew that God did a wonderful work of holiness in your life? Or how about when you prayed and you prayed and you prayed for something and God answers that prayer? Do you, do you get enough courage to stand up in church and say, praise the Lord, he met my need? Often we don't. I don't want to be critical. But oftentimes our testimonies 
are about what God's done in the past, not what God's done in the present. Oh, that we need up-to-date testimonies. What God has done for me right now. God has met my need this week. God has met my need this week. In the midst of our devastation of the computer being baptized in coffee, after it was kind of over and we were moving on, trying to, and I just, I remember I was praying, I said, Lord, just one more week, if you could have waited one more week and I had all my assignments in, the stress level would be a lot less. <laughs> you know, just telling the Lord, if, if, if this had to be, you know, the plan could have been a little better, you know, my plan's better. And I felt the Holy Spirit just whisper, come alongside of me and say, holiness works. And I thought about how I was before I was saved and how, before I was sanctified and how angry I would have been and how, how carnal I could have behaved. And I didn't have to put on a show and I didn't have to act holy for my family. It just came out. I'll be honest with you, I got a little blessed in the midst of my grief, in the midst of my stress. I got just a little blessed as I thought about the fact that the holiness way works. And how it, even, it, wasn't, it wasn't a put on, it wasn't something that, that, that I had to, to, to manufacture within myself. The Holy Spirit himself just produced it within my heart. And I got blessed because it was up-to-date victory. I'm not trying to brag on me this morning. That's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to help us to understand that we've got a testimony that of what God does in the present. And these precious shepherds who haven't, who God has been silent for so many years, no testimony, no prophets, no glory of the Lord in any way. And these shepherds say, we've got up-to-date workings of God in our lives, and we've got to tell you about it, and we're going to noise it abroad. And what a wonderful thing to be able to testify to what God is doing right now i'm thankful for the miracles of the bible but he's been doing miracles even today he's done miracles in your life he's done miracles in my life and he's worthy of our praise he's worthy of our adoration because he's still working now I know this time of year is a time of busyness, and I know it's a time of stress, and I know that some of us can't wait until this week is over, or the next week is over, and Christmas break comes. I know that some of us are just trying to survive, 
But this morning, I want you to know that in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the stress, in the midst of all the things to do, the shepherds had all those responsibilities, yet they took time to experience that first Christmas. And I'd just like to encourage you, in the midst of your fears, in the midst of, of your obligations, take time to just trust and to take time to testify to what God is doing right now in your life. Celebrate Christmas like a shepherd. Let's stand. Amen. Rocky, would you dismiss us in prayer?